I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, it's, it's my fondest memory. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthold, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, we had a bye, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. How was your weekend, buddy? We won the bye week. That's uh, <laughs> that's how this, this goes. How, as so, always. <laughs> yes. And, uh, sometimes you can tie the bye week, but uh, this time it was a win. So uh, it was good. I uh, I enjoyed a little bit uh, of time off uh, from some Hokies football, and I'm ready to jump back into it uh, this evening and uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, dude. We, we had to record a night early because we got that Thursday nighter coming up. Give us a cheers, buddy. Yeah. Uh, well, cheers to the bye week. I think uh, – in particular, most seasons, it's a nice reprieve for us all to uh, to take a week off. I think this year, uh, the team probably needed it. We needed it as uh, Hokie fans. Uh, take a little time, enjoy, I don't know, yard work, some activities, going to a, uh, a nice fall festival, whatever your cup of tea is. And, uh, it was, it was nice. It was, um, it was a good reset and hopefully, uh, a little bit of time for this team to work on their offensive prowess and, uh, bring something out against the Wolfpack. I think, uh, we definitely needed it. So, uh, good things. Yeah, man. Cheers to that. It's always nice to get a weekend to recharge. And for me, you know, the Hokies didn't play and the Eagles didn't play. And so I could fully focus on my Philadelphia Phillies who have not been to the playoffs in a decade and are all of a sudden in the World Series. So that was pretty cool to, to see Harper's home run yesterday, which I'm sure irks some of our Nats fans, listeners, but they won a World Series a couple years back, so they can't be can't be too upset about that. And the Commanders got a win over the weekend with uh, with Heineke yes. <laughs> at, at QB, right? If you want to hear some, like, just old school, like, kind of names and players, you just got to check out, like, who – the former Redskins now commanders have in a quarterback and you're like, Oh man, that guy's, that guy's still playing or, you right. know, he it's, it's pretty incredible. But uh, yeah, what can you do? I'm pretty sure Heineke might've been better than Carson Wentz the entire time. Yes, <laughs> certainly. Now, now he's getting a chance. The old ODU quarterback back again for the, for the commanders. Let's get into the AP poll. Georgia's number one, Ohio state, number two, Tennessee up to three, Michigan 4, and Clemson, despite beating a pretty good Syracuse team who was undefeated, is still sitting at 5, and it took everything they had to beat Syracuse. Yeah, they, um, they, I guess the best way to put it is they just coughed the ball up a bunch in the red zone, and that game probably shouldn't have been as close as it was. Uh, not to you know say that Syracuse isn't a good team, I think they proved that they are a good team, but uh, Clemson certainly shot themselves in the foot multiple times in that game. Otherwise, I think they probably would have run around, run away with it a little bit more than they did. Um, but uh, overall, it was a it was a good game, and uh, sucks for the Orange, but they're having a good season anyway. Yeah, I think everyone watching was rooting for Syracuse. At least mm-hmm. that's what my timeline was telling me. And then when when Clemson basically ultimately outlasted them everyone is kind of like pissed and is like, gosh, I hate Dabo. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Um, And then there was, if anybody hasn't seen this, my wife came into my office uh, in in a hurry this morning to show me something. There is a classic, must be a TikTok video. I don't have TikTok, but I'm assuming it is. And it's one of those where like one person does two sides of, you know, the Uh clip. And you may have seen this one and they're doing Clemson. And it's like him and it's like, oh yeah, I went to, 
uh, I went to Clemson as well. And he's like, yeah, it's Clemson. Oh, that was and he's good, like, Clemson. yes. And he's like, Clemson. He's like, Clemson. He's like, yeah. there's no P. The P is silent. No, that's the opposite. The <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I did, I did see that come across my feed. That was hilarious. Um, and you know what's... I saw Joel Klatt said something about Clemson this week that like he doesn't think they would win the Big Ten East or the SEC West. And that might be fair. But just let's go with Ohio State, for example. Ohio State's best win, according to the Collie Matrix, which used to be a part of the BCS rankings, is Notre Dame. Yeah, Clemson has four wins that are better than Ohio State's best win. So I'm not saying that Clemson is better than Ohio State, but they've been tested and they've passed all of those tests. Yeah. Well, Clatt loves to, loves to, you know, you know get people all riled up. Yeah, he does. The pot. So some of those guys, they just say stuff just to get views and like get, you know, to put out the image. And, and it's get, a fun conversation to have. I mean, everyone thinks Ohio state is really good and everyone thinks the sec West is always really good, but Bama, ain't Bama this year, no. at least not so far as we can tell. Yeah. And I, I'm c- very curious to see how their game against LSU goes. And if they make the sec title, how that would go. Right. But, uh, it's, it's a funny year when Bama seems susceptible going into what's left in the ACC. Wake is at 10 Q's move to number 16. UNC is sitting at 21 and NC state. Our upcoming opponent is ranked their number 24. I did notice that Miami Pitt and West Virginia all lost by multiple touchdowns this past weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three teams that have beaten us. And then BC, the one FBS team we've beaten, also got killed, yeah. I think, by Wake this weekend. Wake covered a large spread in that one. Yeah, so our our strength of schedule is is fantastic this year. Yes. It's, it's really quite horrible. I, I tweeted it out earlier. If you combine Kali and Sagarin and FPI, it's like 100th in FBS. In terms of strength of schedule, it's it's quite poor. You got to take but, advantage in those years when you get that, uh, that kind of setup. Yeah. yeah, we have a weak strength of schedule. So how many wins do you have? Like five, six, <laughs> yeah. two. two, two. <laughs> Let's get into the depth chart injury update. Mansoor Delaney, the standout freshman, he's now a number one corner along with Amari Chapman. And Chapman looks likely to go this upcoming weekend, which is good because, again, it looks like Strong's going to be out. Garbett is also going to play, which is excellent news for our defensive line. And Gosnell is going to be back in the wide receiving core, which I'm very happy to hear. They've always been positive about Gosnell. We haven't seen a ton of results, but it's good to get any wide receiver the coaches think can help us get back in there. And then Keyshawn King is questionable, and and I would love to have him for this game. And we'll get into the details why, but he's so explosive. We could use him. Yeah, I think that would be good, but... Garbage, I think, is is definitely key, um, and I think Chapman is is going to be key. We need everybody at this point, but I think that's big. And I think to your point, King would be huge, just given what Price said, and we'll get into that probably in a minute and some of the comments that he had at the presser today. Next on my list was Price comments because he said we've been trying to be a two tight end, hard nose running attack, and that it just hasn't worked. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's more or less what he said and that we have to open things up a bit. And he called the offense vanilla last week. And it sounds like they're working on ways to get playmakers on the field. So yeah, we, yeah, we try to be a two tight end team, um, and run the Hard ball and running play, team. play action and be multiple with our tight end. So we, I guess we were trying to be a little... We were being Notre Dame. Um, in, Wisconsin. In some, yes, but we do not have their talent, and mm-hmm. we certainly don't have their offensive line. Not this year. I know this year aside, but most years, Notre Dame's offensive line is ridiculous, and Wisconsin's obviously is as well. We, we don't have the setup for that scheme whatsoever, and it's already a difficult scheme to execute in today's game of football anyway that you know things have really kind of gone beyond that a bit so you're going into a tough scheme that requires really focused diligent and smart talent and we just aren't really set up for that right now and it doesn't really play into necessarily the skills of of what we have on the team and that's precisely it 
It's not a modern college football offense. And now you can modernize a running team and a two tight end set in lots of different ways. But it seemed like the way we were doing it was more of a traditional running style, pro style system. And it was pretty clear that didn't suit our personnel, especially when you consider our best running back didn't play for the first five weeks and they knew he was hurt and in a walking boot. And so you're trying to be a hard-nosed team with an 180-pound running back in Keyshawn King and a running back who's never proven to be very good in Jalen Halston and a bunch of freshmen. So, like, I I just don't get how that wasn't thrown out far earlier than the week eight bye week. But (laughs) that's that's what happened. And a quarterback that, by definition, you say whatever you will, but – was well known to be kind of a gunslinging quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the complete opposite of what you need in that, in that system, right? That is it just the whole thing. It sounded when he said it just so like, I kind of laughed. It was just almost funny because it was so bizarre in terms of the personnel that we have and the setup that we have to try and put, put together some sort of an offense that was cohesive and effective. And if you look at the offenses around college football that are successful, there are some ones that run that traditional scheme and they have success. However, they're becoming fewer and far between. Even Wisconsin has struggled the last couple of years. Notre Dame is struggling this year. Bama moved away from their power concepts a long time ago. And, you know, everyone is moving in a direction that's away from that. Jimbo Fisher's offense, it's a dinosaur. And it shows in the results. And people have been making fun of it for as long as it's been around. I mean, if you listen to Bud Elliott uh, talk about Jimbo's offense, and he rips it harder than anybody. And, you know, Jimbo won a national championship. And he's like, you know, that was because of a one quarterback. That was it. Mm-hmm. So that was the only reason that that and Jameis and what he, he did there. So people are going away from it and towards things like RPO concepts because it negates talent disadvantages, right? That is the whole point, that college is such a crapshoot and it's not the NFL and you don't have everybody that was the absolute best at the school that they went to that's not cream of the crop talent and it's a way to mitigate those disadvantages that you may have on on offense. Whereas, you know, that Because you're getting style, people out in space and you're not playing the game in a phone booth and yeah. size and talent don't matter as much. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's what you're and saying, you're reading right? yeah and you're reading the defense and you're using their actions to play off of it that's the whole point of it and it's just I, I just the whole thing was just funny having seen kind of the talent on display over the course of the games we've seen this year and you can make any offense work just like i said you can modernize certain ways in a two tight end hard nose running offense to be really effective but we weren't doing those things and there's lots of examples of stale pro-style offenses in college football that are not working anymore and haven't worked well for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy that Pry, even if it took halfway through the year, it took Fuente six years, right? <laughs> he never changed anything. So like, it, it it's good that we see a problem. He's trying to address the problem as quick as he could because we didn't have a break in between games. Yep. And now hopefully we'll see something new going into the end of the year, which is great because there are winnable games left on the schedule. We talked about, you know, Duke and Georgia Tech and UVA and Liberty. Like, these are all winnable games. Now, a lot of those teams ended up winning this past weekend, (laughs) making them not look as winnable. Yes. Yeah. And UVA, I think they set a passing record or something this past weekend. They set some sort of uh, record. Well, at least they were playing Georgia Tech, like another team that we have to play. But, like, Duke went down to Miami. Yep. And like served up a can of whoop ass and Liberty, yeah, they were down fourteen to three to BYU, and they came back and they crushed them. Mm-hmm. Like, and I had taken Liberty because it's two freeze in a big game, yeah. and I so I took them against the spread, and I was like, oh crap! After like the first quarter, and then they just they killed them the rest of the game, and that's a that's a nice win beating BYU. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a good team. So I mean, Liberty lost to Wake by one point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we so it's schedule. That's their is, only loss. There are there are win potential wins to be had, um, but it it's not it's not looking any easier, and the teams are not getting any worse as the season uh, rolls on. Yeah, so we need that offense to change up because 
As we get to the SP plus here, we're still 115th on offense, 41st on D, and 88th overall. So I think we've moved down one spot two weeks in a row. So we're 86, 87, 88, 96th in the FPI, and 100th in Sagarin. So our advanced metrics are absolutely putrid, but we've already talked about the strength of schedule, and you know all that. We need to be a different team going forward. Talking about the losing streak was Andy Bitter this week in his column that Virginia Tech football hasn't lost five consecutive games since the tail end of 1992, and we haven't lost all of our October games since 1952. Wow. So we're trying to avoid both of those things <laughs> this week because we've already lost four in a row. Yeah, I will say we have we've set a lot of bad precedent in the last you know four or five years uh, that uh, is is been an undoing to a lot of records that were were out there. That is um, that's rough, and uh, I think. I mean, we're probably going to end if this, we got to turn it around at some point because we're on the cusp of hitting, what is it? The, what's the bottom 20? Is it the bottom 20 that, um, uh, yeah. yeah what is uh, Fornelli does? Fornelli it, right? does. Yeah. Tom Fornelli yeah. does, uh, the, I forget so, what the name of it is. Yes. Uh, but it's something along those lines, but, um, yeah, we're, we're creeping up on it pretty quickly here. So, yeah. uh, I think, listen, least the odds are in our favor that um, those things won't happen in terms of uh, that many losses or losing all the games in October and and stretching it out to five games here. We're starting to get to the point, yes, where odds should take over mm-hmm. and that I, we keep talking about, oh, we're going to get somebody, oh, we're going to have a game where we get three turnovers and just win by accident. Like We're starting to get to that point where it should hit. I felt good going into the pit game that we might pull out a victory. I felt good going into the Miami game that that could be the day. And even in this NC State game where we're going on the road, I still feel like we could pull off this upset. I, I know we haven't played well and all the metrics and are horrible. We're 14-point underdogs going into this thing. But for whatever reason, I have that same feeling like we could pull this victory off if just a couple things go our way because they recently lost Devin Leary for the year. And if we're going to get into the matchup, they're five and two. They've lost two out of their last three. They've looked shaky in a number of the wins. Mm -hmm. I just think this team is susceptible. Yeah. And their turnover margins like plus five, I think. So they've definitely benefited from turnover luck um, this year. And ours is abysmal. So again, just back to uh, things, you know, reversion to the mean, hopefully, hopefully that plays to our advantage. Yeah, they they're five and two. They're one and two in conference, but they've lost to Clemson and Syracuse, two teams that we just watched go toe to toe, and are obviously um, definitely pretty pretty good. But yeah, you're right. I think that they've been shaky in some of those wins, and it's really come on the side of the defense that they've been able to do that. Um, yeah, they are. I think they're. I forget they're they're one of the tops in the nation in terms of scoring defense, but you know they gave up twenty against uh, ECU, three against Charleston Southern, whatever. Texas Tech only fourteen, UConn whatever, ten points, and then but Clemson they only put a, gave up thirty, and Syracuse only twenty four, and then seventeen against FSU. So they have a stout defense um, for sure, but we can get into I think one part of that defense a little bit better than the others. Yeah, this NC State team was. Preseason number 13, they started 4-0, and they got to number 12 because of the way they played that opening ECU game. It already, they were never even able to like ascend very many spots despite starting 4-0 because they hadn't looked good. And you're right, the losses are two good teams. But I think that this is like a little bit of an anxiety bowl for them because Mm -hmm. they're supposed to win. And it's against a team that, has owned them since coming into the ACC. They beat us in our first game. We were still in school for that one. It's when the field goal went went wide or went in. I yep. can't remember which which team it was, who was kicking, but it was on the leg of a kicker. And ever since then, we've won five in a row against NC State. And we always feel pretty good going into those matchups. This year is obviously on the other foot. We are we are definitely down in the dumps, and. Pulling off the upset's going to be tough, but I still think those old kind of mentalities versus teams, they don't really go away. And so that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I felt good about this matchup. NC State is undefeated at home this year. 
So going down to Raleigh in a night game, that's going to be a challenge. You mentioned the defense. And so let's start with them because you said one side or end of it is better than the other. And I think you're referring to their pasty, which has been outstanding. Yeah. So this, uh, this team put together, I, I don't think I've seen a stat like this this year. So they only have eight sacks on the year. They have 11 interceptions. I don't even know like a team that I could think of that would have more interceptions than they have sacks on the year. Um, and then three forced fumbles. That is an incredible stat to think about. Uh, so yes, the pass defense is legit for this team. The run defense um, is, is kind of is spotty. Let's put it that way to, to say the least. Yeah. Their run defense is so weird because they their stuff rate is through the roof. It's basically the best in the country. Mm-hmm. So that means uh, stops of at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. And they're at like 30% they are stopping people at the line of scrimmage in the run game. But 44% of the time, that team gets a 10-yard gain. <laughs> so they are literally like the ultimate boom or bust defensive line. And I would feel great if we had Keyshawn King and Malachi Thomas and our O-line picked it up a bit. The problem for us is our stuff rate as an offensive line is one of the worst in the country. (laughs) So like it's literally the strength of NC state is stuffing the run. Our anti-strength is, you know, short yardage, four yard gains, that kind of thing. And so I'm not sure at first I looked at their run average and it's like, you know, five yards a carry or whatever. They're, they're poor against the run as a D line on an average standpoint, but that's because they're such boomer bust. It's so weird. Like mm-hmm. I've never seen a D line like this. And then you mentioned the few sacks in addition to that, like that adds a whole different thing. They're like 127th in sack rate. Like they, yeah. they cannot get sacks. They get a lot of hurries, yeah. but they can't get sacks. Yeah. Very, um, very strange, I guess is the best way to put it. But, um, and if you tie this in, we'll go back to how we opened up um, the show a little bit in terms of prize comments that about how they have discussed playing both running backs um, at the same time with Malachi Thomas and Keyshawn King. Uh, and we don't know if King's going to be healthy. It sound, looks like he's questionable for the game. But man, if we were able to kind of bring something like that out and um, that had a little bit of time, granted, King, Keyshawn King has been injured, so I don't know what he's been doing in practice, if anything at all. Um, damn, it would be a nice time to bring that out mm-hmm. uh, and have that for the game, but I'm not sure we will. But in either case, we'll have Thomas. He's healthy. We're good to go on that front. So hopefully we can uh, we can pull something together in the in the run game because we have not shown a propensity to be very good in the past game all season and certainly not against the secondary. I'm not all that uh, encouraged by our prospects there. We would be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about the linebackers for NC state because they were so hyped up coming into the year. They've kind of never achieved everything that they thought they would because of injuries over the past couple seasons, but Isaiah Moore, Drake Thomas and Peyton Wilson, We've heard about these guys for a while, and they're really playing well right now. I think Moore leads the team in TFL, Mm -hmm. and Drake Thomas is a beast. He leads the team in tackles. I think they're one, two, three in tackles on the team, these three linebackers. So that's one of the reasons I think they are stuffing people at the line of scrimmage in the run game. But they also haven't been tested as much as other teams in the run game. NC State is facing the third least amount of carries in the run game. So teams are just deciding not to run against them. Yeah. And that may be because of what they see. Uh, it, it, it's weird because the, the DBs have played so well, you wouldn't think teams are deciding to pass. So it's probably just a quirk, but yeah. I noticed that teams are only averaging 28 yards a carry against NC state. So not many people have chosen to commit to the run and just pounded it on them. And that's probably because of the talent they have at that linebacker position. And it's quite good that this team is 12th in SP plus on defense. I mean, it is, it is a very, very good defense and it makes me nervous for an offense that hasn't done anything this year. Yeah. The good news is, is that we we're forced to try something different. It's not like we're going into this game. We really don't have any other choice. No. Either there's not there's not an alternative. It's not like well you know we can kind of just do what we've you know been doing, and I think that's what Pry was getting at. It's just like we it's not cutting mustard. It's just not going to work for us anymore. So um, 
you know, our backs are up against the wall and, um, you know, it, it could pay out, could pay out well for us. We've had a bye week to try and put something and install something a little bit different or some things or some looks that, um, that could throw them off guard. So hopefully, hopefully that pays out. Yeah, I agree, man. All right, let's do a quick beer break before we do the offense for NC state. And before that, I just want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. This is a place for all of your pumpkin beer needs, your anything for the winter that's coming up, the stouts, the porters. But I was just at the liquor store. My wife asked me to pick up two bottles of wine the other night. We don't drink a ton of wine. So I go in the store. I'm looking for a bottle of white and a bottle of red. Shout out to Billy Joel. But, <laughs> but I, uh, I didn't know what to buy. And this store, it's a great store, but like there's not a ton of staff. You will not find that at Downtown Crown and at Dominion. They have people there ready to help you. If you're not sure what you want, you know, tell them what your wife is interested in or what you're interested in or what kind of flavors you like, and they will find a wine for you. That is the great thing about these places is they always know how to steer you in the right direction. Yeah. Firsthand last Christmas, I went in there, I was buying... I've always worked in like small companies where there's only you know, 8, 10, 12 people. And when you're in that kind of environment, um, you end up, the senior folks, you end up buying stuff for the junior folks for the holidays. It's just kind of what you do. So I went in and I was buying, I don't know, eight. I was like, hey, I need like eight or nine bottles of wine. I want to get a couple different things. So I'm not giving everybody in the office the same thing. And I was like, by the way, I don't drink wine. And by not drink wine, the last glass of wine I had was like, probably 20 years ago so uh so they um i was like so i have no clue what i'm doing uh and they got me through recommended some stuff uh and i walked out of there got my wine and um you know the stuff i bought everybody said was good so they wouldn't tell me otherwise but i have confidence that it was yeah and it's just a peace of mind thing like you know you're walking out you feel good about it when you leave because of the help you got and that's what the service you get at both of these places so make sure to check them out this football season for all your beer and wine needs dominion right in falls church and downtown crown in gaithersburg for now robbie i need to know what you're drinking i am having the three notched uh non-alcoholic ipa it's um it's good um it is other than where it uh it comes from made with cascade hops grapefruit and citrus notes it is um it's good it's uh you know not my not my favorite but it was in the fridge and i i jumped on it and uh yeah so what about you i am having the pumpkin spice shake ipa from westbrook brewing company westbrook is a brewery out of south carolina and years ago we had a listener mail us a bunch of Westbrook beers. I cannot remember the listener or it was probably like seven years ago or something like that, but they were very good beers. And that's what I do remember. And thank you for whoever it was that sent us. If you want to send us a message, but this beer is great. You know, I'm a fan of some of these milkshake IPAs and they were really in vogue maybe three years ago, four years ago, Mm -hmm. but they're so many calories that you just, you can't drink them all the time. Yes. But this one caught my eye because I've never seen Westbrook Brewing up this far north and my beer store had it. And so this beer I bought on the individual rack, mm-hmm. it was like five fifty for one year. <laughs> so it was definitely on the pricier end, but I, but I had to have it. And it is fantastic. 7% alcohol by volume. It's just perfectly balanced. The sweetness, the beer flavor, the pumpkin flavor. It's it's low on the pumpkin flavor. It's not wild. It, it you know, it doesn't actually taste like you're drinking a milkshake. They call it that because they put the lactose in there. Yes. But it is it's a great beer. The other problem with these things is, and I put this on our Twitter. Oh no. You ever drink a bunch of IPAs? Yes. You wake up the next morning, maybe you have you maybe have the farts. Yes. The worst culprit of those is these milkshake IPAs, yeah. like by far. <laughs> so it's all the, yeah, all the lactose in there, and just it is intense. Those things are filling. Yeah, you cannot. Yes, you get this is my those. dessert for the night. <laughs> yeah, you get one of those in you, and um, yeah, six six bucks for a dude. I remember getting twenty four packs of Natty at like nine ninety nine. So, it, it, like, if you just think about that for a second, oh, I mean, holy crap. It's like 
24 Inflation beers. has us by the balls, man. Not, that's not inflation. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Natty, the price of Natty is up to like, what, 13 or 14 bucks for a 24 Yeah, pack. I wonder but, what a case of Natty is these days. I haven't bought one in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, no, that's just crazy. Um, but that's that's where the beer marks beer market's gotten us to. Yeah. I, I do like this beer, though. It's quite good. If you're looking for it, it's the Pumpkin Spice Shake IPA from Westbrook. I also need a Mia Culpa on the Christmas lights across the street mm. I was mentioning last week. They are Diwali lights. Oh, <laughs> is that tonight? And yes. It is tonight. Yes, yeah. tonight is Diwali. And I, um, there's a lot of new neighbors on the street, so I didn't know which house is which. I, sh- I should have known. It's an Indian family. They're celebrating Diwali, so they're not Christmas lights. They're perfectly legit, and I want to do a Mia Culpa on them. Oh, man, you really <laughs> screwed that up. And so I'm, I, and they even came over. Get this. Those same neighbors came over today and gave us a gift oh. for Diwali. We've hardly met them, dude, and they gave us a gift. Dude, now, man, you royally F this whole thing up. So <laughs> holy cow. Hey, they don't uh, listen to the pot, yeah. so we're, we'll be I, okay. That would be even better if they came over and they said, listen, even though you screwed up our holiday celebration and called it out on the podcast. <laughs> it was like they already knew that would have been even better. Oh, um, gosh. I've never been to a Diwali celebration, but I have heard great things. I've heard it is a, an awesome time. So, uh, you know, that sucks for me, but, um, sucks I can for, only think sucks of for like the office, Yeah, you know, like exactly. when, uh, Kelly's having the, the party and Michael's like, Talk about racial insensitivity. Like that episode is just, it's so cringeworthy, but it's a good yeah. one. Well, you did it on the podcast. so I did it on the podcast, yeah. So yep. everyone respect your neighbors. If they have their Christmas lights up early, they might not be Christmas lights, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the offense. We mentioned Devin Leary is, is done for the year which is nice. However, he wasn't playing like himself, like the all-ACC quarterback he has been. Enter Jack Chambers. Chambers is a Charleston Southern grad transfer, and he was an average QB for Charleston Southern. He was His numbers were never great. Um, 41 TDs to 29 career INTs, 114 rating, but he is a runner, has over 1,400 yards rushing in his career. That's the only thing about him that scares me. I don't expect him to be able to pass very well, but he could escape the pocket and it could become a problem for us. Yeah, I think he's the third. Um, don't get yourself in trouble. I'm not. Yes, I'm right. Uh, third leading rusher on the team. So he's got 30 carries for 104 yards, which isn't a whole lot. Most of the carries are going to to Jordan Houston and Demi Sumo Carnbay. That's what yeah, I'm going. Let's with. go with that. I DSK. don't know if that's right. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah D DSK. So just so okay. I just don't know how to pronounce it's K A R N G B A Y E. That's got to be Karn. I'm guessing Kong Bay. Kong. I can't talk, but whatever. DSK, he's good. He's a really good player. He's got the best average rush yards on the team, Mm -hmm. but he didn't play last game. And Devin Carter, their wide receiver, didn't play last game. They both, I think they both think they're going to play this week. Yes. uh, Which is fine. Because even though he is the better rusher with like the 5.75 yards per carry and Houston's only at 4.0, in the games where they didn't play UConn or Charleston Southern, they have been a very average rushing team. Yeah. This is not a good rushing team. Correct. Yeah, it has been – their numbers are – yeah, I had to check them, especially Jack Chambers one because he hasn't even been playing that much um, thus far. But, yeah, it's definitely a pass-heavy offense. And, well, even when they are rushing it, it's not been – they're averaging like 3.8 yards per rush. I don't know what Virginia Tech's averaging right now, but it's probably like 2.8 if I had to guess. So it's better than us, but it's not very good nationally, that's for sure. No, we're we're actually pretty similar to NC State in a number of ways. Let's see. Like – our, our rush D and the stuff rate, like both of us do that pretty well in terms of stopping runners. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, like both of our run games have been lacking. Yeah. And without Devin Leary, I expect their pass game to also be lacking, but they have options. Like they have much better skill options at wide receiver than we do. Thayer Thomas, he's reliable. 27 receptions for over 300 yards this year, just two touchdowns and not a big average at 11. They, they're yards per attempt in the passing game, even with Leary, has been pretty low. Carter is the bigger yes. wide receiver. That's why I really am hoping that he's not going to be available for them. He's 6'3", 215, and 
he's got a almost a 15 yards per catch average. So he's more of your big play threat. And then you got Keon Lassane, who he has 11 receptions the last three weeks. He's kind of emerging right now. Uh, 5'11", 190. So a little bit of a smaller slot kind of guy. But uh, he's someone else to look out for. This kind of reminds me, you remember years ago when you play ECU, after or before uh, Shane Carden, yep. they had that, that guy was like James something. And yeah, he was a runner. Uh, and like, with a, a C, I it's think. like James, James Roberts, or no. I can't think of his name. But that's what Chambers reminds me of. Like someone who can do a lot of damage with his legs, but we're not going to have to worry about his arm. But that might not matter. James Summers. James yeah. Summers. That's what it is. Yes. Um, the name even reminded me of him. Jack Chambers, James Summers. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. Yes, I do remember him. Uh, and... So Virginia Tech, 3.2 yards uh, per mm. carry. Uh, so I wasn't far off there. But I, I agree with all of that. I, I read an article, I think, that came out actually l- later in the day today. Uh, and it did sound like Devin Carter is going to play. That said, there isn't a lot in terms of previews or write-ups on uh, the NC State-Virginia Tech game. I can't imagine why. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that was, that was the only really good write-up that I saw on it. And it sounded like he was going to play, but, you know, think we're all hoping is he's averaging yeah 15 yards um a pop uh on the year which is which is pretty outstanding this is the last comparison and the last time i'll mention the word stuffed on here but the o-line for nc state it's pretty average but similar to us they are low in stuff rate like they they're allowing their running backs to get stuffed at the line of scrimmage uh Quite a bit, 90th in stuff. We're going to have to put an explicit tag on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's not even Thanksgiving. We're talking about stuffing. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going a different direction on that. But yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right, so overall thoughts on offense, just their run game isn't great, and their pass game, I, this is going to be an ugly game. Let's put it that way. Like This is going to be a defensive first game on for both teams, um, the lo- the line being 14 points, mm-hmm. like I feel good about Virginia Tech covering only because I don't think either team's going to be that successful scoring points. Yeah, no, neither of these have what well, we know our offense is. Their offense is not putting out that much production. Um, and like we said, most of their wins uh, this year, um, their, their losses have been when offenses have gotten some decent traction against them. Um, and their wins have really come down to their defense. So it's going to be, I would think, a low-scoring game. I think we need to see what happens. It's, oh, I can't even pontificate on what our offense is going to look like, I given know. there's going to be kind of a shakeup. So we would just be BSing you if we're trying to give some thoughts on that front. So where I do think it matters is we got to find some way to get some turnovers in this yes. game. I mean, it's just... It has to happen at some point. Just even accidentally, you would think at some point things going to turn our way. Um, we need some turnovers. And given the way the offense has played, hopefully some turnovers where we get some decent field position, not like not like a turnover in the 20 or anything mm-hmm. like that. That's not that's not really going to do it for us. So that is um, good. I'm also interested, Pry mentioned the punt returns and what we're going to be doing there that we are losing – uh, what he had called, you know, a lot of what invisible, what what's the word for it? Invisible yards or whatever, like, you know, just hidden yardage, yardage. hidden yardage. I guess we left it left out there. Uh, so you and I have been talking about that. I'm glad uh, Pry is now listening to the podcast. It's great to have you uh, <laughs> listening, coach. Uh, but no, seriously, it is um, that that would be nice as, as well. And I hope the offense puts something out there that's unique and it is at least it's not going to be potent, but at least it's serviceable. Yeah. And you're right on with the turnovers. NC state has had great turnover luck. We have had very low turnover luck. It's bound to turn over at some point and go the (laughs) other way. Um, Like I said, defensive battle, close game. My biggest fear in it maybe getting out of hand is just, just wearing down as we did Mm -hmm. against Pitt And as we did against UNC, and West Virginia, where later in the game, it just starts to really get out of hand. So I think this is a winnable game. I really do. 
it's just a matter of some of the bounces going our way, keeping the penalties down, yep. and reducing the number of missed assignments and mistakes in this game. If you, if we can play not a perfect game, but just even a game where we committed like the penalties against, like we did against Miami, like we kept the penalties down in that game, yeah. but the offense just put their head in the sand. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't have one thing go like down the tubes. You need to have everything at least at average, at par, and then something else needs to pop. And I think we could win the game. Is it unlikely? Yeah, it's unlikely. NC State's a good team with a good defense, and this game could end up like, you know, 20-3. to Like, this is another game where you could worry about the scoring streak ending. Like, you really could. (laughs) You should worry about that. This is probably the best defense we faced, right? Yes, it is. And I don't, I don't, so, I don't think it's close. Uh, so, uh, so that's, that's a problem. <laughs> yes, that's a problem. There, there is a, yeah, hate to burst your bubble, but there's a reason it's a 14 point spread. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's the, the way it's got to go. But I, I think it is, I think it's achievable. Um, got to play just kind of smart football, hope for a few good bounces and, you know, hope they're in, in good spots and we take advantage of them. That's, that's going to be the key to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's about all I have to say on the matter. Yeah. Um, I do have the SP Plus rankings for our remaining opponents. NC State's at 41, Duke 74, Liberty 78, UVA 81, and GT 89. So GT, after losing to UVA, is actually the only team on that list with a worse rating than we have. Yes, we got one. <laughs> yes, we got one. And we're very close. We're within 10 spots of all the other ones. And once you get that close to other teams, like – the games can go either way, depending on home field or shoot. who's injured. Yeah. yeah, it's a total crapshoot. So it all these games after NC State look very winnable on paper. And so we'll have our chances. I also noticed in the Coastal, everyone has two losses now except for UNC. So it looks like the division's going to be theirs as long as they don't have a meltdown. Yeah, I think they – and it doesn't seem like they're, they're going to. So, uh, But, um, yeah, Coastal is – you never know. Coastal can the coastal will coastal. In, yeah, the in, coastal in will its coastal. final in its final year. <laughs> and guess who UNC is playing this weekend? It's perfect for what we're just talking about. Fine. Pitt. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So that's that, that could easily be a loss. <laughs> yes, that that is. That's what Pitt does. They just that's screw what Pitt does. Up. They ruin your year. Yeah, they beat they beat Clemson when ruin things for them. They beat you know just everybody. They they are the spoiler. Well, that was big news, right? The fact that Clemson extended the longest winning home streak. Yes. Home winning streak. And the last team to beat them was Pitt. Was Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> Good transition. Let's go into our picks, Robbie. All right. Notre Dame at Syracuse. Syracuse, three-point favorites over Notre Dame. We, we keep talking about Syracuse, how we didn't think this is how it would be at the beginning of the year. And them being three point favorites over Notre Dame epitomizes that. Yes, it does. And the f- no, not only does it epitomize that the fact that I'm looking at it going, why are they only three point favorites over Syria- <laughs> over Notre Dame is even right. crazier than that. Yeah. That not only are they favored, but I'm questioning the line and why they're not favored more. The, I am going to jump on the Syracuse train. I'm, I, I'm, I think I already picked them last week, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to go with Syracuse. I'm going to go with Syracuse as well. Notre Dame, they didn't even they didn't do well against UNLV last week. No, like it wasn't it wasn't great from what I was tracking on on the apps. But I'll take Syracuse to cover those three points as well. Miami at UVA, UVA two and a half point underdogs at home. That line is a little bit mm-hmm. narrower narrower than I thought, and that's partially because UVA did get a win last week. And Miami, you know, we said they went down to Duke in kind of an ugly fashion. Miami's really not good, man. Yeah, they're, they're, they're but neither of these teams are good. I mean the UVA GT game was horrible. Yeah. Um Yeah, my Miami is imploding uh as we as we kind of watch week in, week out. So I am gonna go with uh UVA in this game. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the Cavaliers too at home. I don't like it, but I'll, I'll take them to cover the two and a half. Wake at Louisville. Louisville four and a half point favorites at home. The Wakey Leaks matchup is back again. I will go first this time. Okay. I'm going to take Wake. Is that right? That Louisville's favorite? I gotta check that again. That seems suspect, 
but I will take it while we got that uh, as well. I'm just just checking the app to make sure I have that correct. Sometimes things are things are wonky in here. Louisville Seems four and a half point underdogs is dogs. Louisville. Okay, was, I'm still taking Wake to cover the four and a half. Yeah, I was like that's suspect. I, gotta, I wrote it down wrong. Got to empty my 401k on that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, but that's still a tight line for how good Wake has looked. Yeah, but Wake and Louisville—they always play each other weird. I think that mm-hmm. that it's like Louisville will just come out of nowhere and like put together some sort of a decent game. Yeah. All right. So it's Louisville plus four and a half. I'm taking Wake. Pitt at UNC. UNC three and a half point favorites. We just talked about this game. I'm going another tight one for for how well UNC has played. Um, I'm going to take Pitt for that very Pitt reason. So am I. I don't know that they'll win this game, but I think that they will make it close. Mm-hmm. Um, just to keep UNC on pins and needles. Someone is going to screw with Drake May, yes. right? And if anyone's going to do it, it could be Narduzzi. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think I think that's the right way to look at it. All right, going out of conference, we got Ohio State at Penn State. Penn State two weeks ago took a whoop into Michigan. Yeah, a lot of questions about James Franklin's big game coaching abilities. Yeah, I I don't. This is the time for your Ohio State to really kind of show up and see if they're legit. Fifteen half points. That's so many points, but they got. And we talked about how Ohio State hasn't been yeah. tested that much I know. this year. That's why it's so hard. And Penn State did just come back and bounce back well against Minnesota. I'm going to take Penn State to cover. Mm-hmm. It's it's in Happy Valley. I think they can cover, but I think Ohio State will win. I'm going to go with Ohio State. I just can't. I can't shake how badly Penn State got the shit kicked out of them by Michigan. I know. So it's hard. All right, but. You know how we talked about those like historical matchups, like oh, we play Penn to play NC State. Well, mm-hmm. Penn State plays bad against Michigan. Yep. Like they have a long history of playing bad against Michigan. No, that's true. All right, next game: OK State at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Kansas State one and a half point favorites. This is virtually a pick 'em. I like K State, even though they couldn't get it done last week. I like K State. I also have K State. All right. Kentucky at Tennessee. Mm. This is an intra-divisional matchup. Dicey. Tennessee, 12.5-point favorites. I keep waiting for someone to to kind of trip Tennessee up. Like, when is that week going to happen? And, that, and it keeps not happening. My ears were burning last week because I pulled up the game right before you sent the tweet, and I was like, ah, I wonder how Tennessee's doing. And I was like looking at the score, and I was like, 53 to 3 at halftime. And yeah. I was like, holy, because I remember all leading up to that week, everybody was like, oh, you know, you, you got to, Tennessee's going to be sleepwalking in this game. It's going to be such a hangover game, all this stuff. So I was like, oh, let's see what happened to Tennessee if like the hangover game, well, you know, pick actually worked. No, it did not uh, work no. very well. So they, that was a drubbing. I mean, Hooker had 12 yards in attempt. In the first half. (laughs) It was pretty incredible. I am UK. I love their defense. I think might be able to keep it in the, in the game. I'm going to go with UK. I think UT wins, but I'm going with UK to, uh, to maybe, you know, keep it within 10 points. Yeah. It's, it's hard to go against that white hot offense right now, Mm. but Stoops has, he has those tricks up his sleeve. I'll take Kentucky but Tennessee will win. Michigan State at Michigan. Michigan, 22.5-point favorites in the rivalry game. God, that contract for – who's the coach of Michigan State again? Um, Um, It's not looking so hot right at this moment. It looked good last year. Yeah, with 10 uh, wins last year. Yeah, yeah. They're struggling right now. Um, Yeah, Um, they are not Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, yeah. I still kind of want to take Michigan State because of the rivalry. Mm-hmm. Twenty, yeah, twenty-two and a half. I gotta go Michigan State. It's too many. I'm, I'm going to take the Spartans as well. That's that's a lot. Okay, that's it for the picks. Uh, 
Man, I'm ready for some football, dude. Like Thursday night for the Hokies, ESPN, we're on the mothership. Don't have to search around for it. So Thursday night, I got that. Friday and Saturday, the Phils are on the World Series. Sunday, the undefeated Eagles take on the Steelers. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, including a Halloween game in Philly. Mm. The Phillies play the Astros. Nice. And then the Eagles play again on Thursday night against the Texans the following week. So I had seven, eight straight nights of uh, of something interesting for your boy over here. So I, I am pumped. Good luck with that. Got to pick <laughs> That's a lot of beer. One of those hangover pills or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I have to drink a lot of water during the day. <laughs> those like days. That. Oh, man. I did enter the lottery to get some World Series tickets. We'll yeah. see what happens. But if nothing else... I was always a fan. I know you are too. Like, just to be in a place, right? Yeah. Like, even if you can't go to the game, go down to the stadiums yeah. and tailgate, watch it at a bar or something like that. Yeah, that's always. Sometimes that's even more fun. Um, mm-hmm. It's just doing it nearby, and um, plus, if they win, you guarantee your spot at that bar. And usually, those places <laughs> usually those places fill up, and you'll never get in. So, uh, you know, you're just thinking ahead. Well, I've also been working on my climbing muscles because, you know, all the poles in Philly are greased. Yes. So you got, yeah, you you gotta, there was a lot of videos of people like trying to get up the poles yeah. this past weekend. The key is, you know, you got to do the, the shoulder standing on each other to get to really <laughs> right. get up to the top of them. So, And then you got to make sure you can catch the beer yes. when people are tossing them to you. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll catch one off the off the head and be like, uh, yeah, the, 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 it'd be like the um, uh, the porta potty run that they did the at preakness uh, the run, preakness run uh, <laughs> across the but, top of the porta yeah. potties if you guys are oh, don't know what we're talking about just youtube like preakness porta potty run yeah and people just used to get up there and run across them and everyone in the infield is throwing full cans of beers at them yeah it, it's i think it started as empty beer cans and slowly turned into like full beers and then like some then you just see some good videos of people catching like a beer right in the dome beer explodes yeah. and they just go down it's like you know a ton of bricks did we ever do a preakness together i know i went with ned before no no i never did i never did preakness I, oh dude it was ridiculous and i was like 22 which is funny because that was young right mm-hmm. uh we were the oldest people there yeah. in the infield <laughs> like everyone is in college and we were just out and it was a blast yeah. Anyway, well, make sure to hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DeepVT. 2DeepVT.com is our website. And then make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. We we are there. And I'm, I'm pumped for Thursday night, man. I think there's potential here. Tech has had a good history on Thursday night. I don't think we've ever played in Raleigh on a Thursday night, though. Mm, interesting. And it's going to be crazy. That stadium gets crazy. Yeah, that will be... I wish we were better because the atmosphere would be, you know, a lot more mm-hmm. lively. But it's still, I bet, I imagine it's going to be a good time. Uh, Thursday night yeah. uh, games are always are always great. That'll do it for the podcast, and hopefully next time you'll be hearing us celebrate a big win over the Wolfpack. But until then, go Hokies.